same China, different stories. We are the ones that found our way in a new life. Adopted babies, adopted babies from China. I'm Tara. Hello. It has been a month since beginning the podcast, and the time really has flown by. I don't know how everybody else feels, but it's kind of crazy. I originally had anticipated beginning this podcast post Katie's thesis because I really wanted Katie to also interview, but she is actually, as we have learned, going to continue writing post thesis. So we'll just bring her on when she's ready. Until then, I am excited to speak with our first adoptee who's outside of the U.S. (laughs) I have Shelly here with me. She lives in Canada and has been there since she was adopted. She just finished her master's and is now in the transition time between university and finding work during the pandemic. Hey, Shelly. Hi. How are you? I'm good. It's so great to be on your podcast. So thanks for allowing me to, you know, answer your questions and share my story. Of course. It was really exciting to see you on the Subtle Asian Traits Oh, I'm sorry, subtle Asian adoptee traits Zoom call that because you you actually introduced the group to me when we first talked and then I joined the group and then a day later I got a message from somebody else in the group to join the Zoom call to somebody else being that guy that I've referenced in this podcast. But it was really <laughs> funny. <laughs> that had probably what 60 something people on there. Yeah, it was a lot. It just keeps on growing every week, which is great because it's like cool to see the people's faces and match it to the posts in the group. And I feel like, you know, I've become really close with some of the people. So it's it's fun. It is fun. And it's also because I reached out to you on Instagram and you actually found the podcast Mm -hmm. through another person who I interviewed with. I think it was Casey, right? The first interview. Yeah, because I follow her on Instagram, and then I saw her post about ah. being featured, and I was like, oh, that's so cool. So I'm trying to get more into learning about the adoptee community and making more connections, so then that's how I found your Instagram page. That is so cool. And then I reached out, and then all this stuff connected, and then I found out that guy is in the group, too, and <laughs> who haven't really actually talked to each other, just we're connected now, so that's progress. <laughs> Another cool thing that we do share is we are actually from the same province, uh, yes. the Zhejiang province. So in addition to that, I would love for you to share more about your story and about living in Canada, because so many people who listen, I believe, are primarily in the U.S. Yeah, that's what I found kind of in connecting with other adoptees online. I, I know there are adoptees in Canada. I used to know some when I was growing up, but then I've kind of lost touch. Um, I do have a younger sister who's adopted, and so that's been nice, having someone else in the family who's from, like, the same place. Um, But, yeah, I think in terms of living in Canada, I personally have, like, had a pretty good experience, and, like, my family, my mom has been very supportive and everything, so I have, I feel like, a more positive perspective on my, like, adoption in general, Mm -hmm. um, based on, like, my mostly positive experiences, like, from childhood and everything. Um, But, yeah, it's been interesting connecting with the adoptees in America Um, but it's also been kind of sad hearing about the racism that's going on there I know that there Mm. has been some instances in Canada and I think it's more prevalent in bigger cities because I grew up and I still live in mostly kind of a suburban town that's 
like pretty white, but I haven't had too many issues myself. But in kind of getting to know more about the experiences of people in the United States, like over the border, I follow some Instagram accounts that kind of share those incidences mm. that are happening of kind of anti-Asian hate crimes. Um, right. So it is very sad to kind of, it's important, I think, to like, you know, be self-aware and like educate yourself on those issues. But it's also kind of sad because I feel like since I'm in a different country, it's like, how can I help people? And like, you know, I've seen posts mm-hmm. about like, oh, email your representative, this and that. And it's like, it feels disconnected, but it's still, I feel like we're connected. I'm still feel like connected somehow a little way to the other adoptees. So, mm-hmm. and I'm just like the, the Asian community. Right. There's a lot more negative energy revolving around, especially the virus and everything. It has extended beyond just Asians, though. I think they're now sort of targeting people who are obese or people who are, mm. I guess, really young, too. It just seems there's no there's no end to all the hate, it seems. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's very unfortunate. And my mom's Jewish, so I was raised with, like, a little bit of Judaism, kind of. And I mm. know also from, like, my connections with the online groups for that community that there has been a rise in anti-Semitism. And I've seen, Whoa. like, you know, examples of that in the United States. And I think there's been maybe some in Canada as well. But so, like you said, I think it's just, like, a lot of minority groups, unfortunately. Like, <laughs> Oh, yes. A lot of minority groups are getting a lot of... I mean, I guess that hasn't really changed much in the U.S., unfortunately, <laughs> as we know. And you said you have a younger sister who's also yes. adopted, right? Yeah, she's also adopted, and I went with my mom to adopt her when I was, like, four and a half years old, Uh Um, because my mom kind of asked, oh, do you want a younger sister? And I was very, like, oh, I was excited about the idea, and I was like, oh, would it be someone who looks like me? And so she said yes, and um, I was talking to her about it recently, and she gave me the option to come with her, or she also, if she, I didn't want to come, she would have left me here with, like, a family friend or something, but I wanted to go with her. I don't remember much of it, unfortunately, so I wish, like, I remembered more of the experience, but I think I was too young, but I definitely like having a younger sister who's adopted, and even though, like, she is younger, and she has some different perspectives, and she doesn't talk about adoption as much, but I feel like that I've brought it up in my family more so since kind of being a part of some of the online adoptee group. I've been able to kind of learn a little bit more of her experiences, and she's not as interested in kind of you know, connecting with other adoptees or learning more about that stuff right now, mm-hmm. which is totally fine. Because when I was younger, I don't think I was at that phase yet of kind of discovering and exploring more about kind of my identity and connecting with other people. But it's still really nice to have someone that even though we don't talk about it as much, we still both have that right. same understanding and that lived experience. Mm-hmm. Um, she is from a different province in China. It's cool because I know some other adoptees, they have other Asian adopted siblings but they're from like a different Asian country so I do like they were both from China Mm -hmm. and that I like went with my mom to go get her and I just remember I was like in love with her when I like she was a baby and I like even when I was younger like I love babies so (laughs) yeah and we're pretty close now which is good like Mm -hmm. we're we're good friends and so I like that too just having like right connect with and then Chinese adoption actually played a role in your undergraduate studies at your university right Yes. So when I was in my undergrad, I took a thesis course and I was trying to think of what topic I'd want to spend a year researching and writing about. And in talking with my mom, I think it was her idea where she's like, oh, why don't you do research on something that's like, you know, related to you and your story. So that's how I kind of came up with the idea of interviewing other adoptees. Mm -hmm. So I connected 
with a total of nine people. One of them was my sister. Um, I interviewed them based on their experiences, kind of asking them, you know, generally about their story and also more specifically on certain themes surrounding, you know, sense of place and belongingness, whether it's within Asian communities or kind of like white spaces, because a lot of us grew up in white kind of neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Um, and also kind of the feeling that they have of themselves like how much do you identify as Canadian how much do you identify as being Chinese mm. and like how has that changed over time or like you know in different spaces over your lifetime so that was really cool and then I touched a bit also on like their connection to China if you know they want to go back if they want you know how they feel about it I have some people I've heard refer to it as like you know their home or homeland kind of mm-hmm. thing where other people just said if I went back it would be for tourism purposes like I'd be a a traveler I'd be like a visitor right. but they didn't necessarily feel like it was their home which is totally understandable because I mean a lot of us were adopted when we were babies exactly um, yeah. that's the name of your podcast yes <laughs> so. ironically I was not a baby baby but I was your age when you went back to China to pick up your sister essentially that sounds really weird mm-hmm. when you went to <laughs> bring your sister home <laughs> <laughs> yeah I say some of these terms, I'm like, oh, that sounds very much like groceries or something, but it's really not. <laughs> and then, but I, I was the same age. Mm. You're right. Most, most of us were babies. So that is hence the name of the podcast. Mm-hmm. And then, so when you were doing that research for your thesis, what were some resources that you were able to connect or refer to? Because I know you're oh. probably about a few, you're a few years definitely younger than I am. Uh, and I know growing up, it was kind of tough to find I I want to say it was tough to find resources really to connect Mm -hmm. with yeah for sure when I was doing research like because it was my thesis I had to try to find academic sources so I was looking at journal articles and papers but it is hard because a lot of the research if it was about adoption you know it'd be focused maybe on the adoptive parents Mm -hmm. because I feel like there's not enough research from the adoptees perspective because you know, a lot of us are still young, or maybe we're starting to do research. There's not as much of a history as with maybe like Korean adoption for people to be old enough to kind of Mm. put out work themselves. So a lot of it was from people doing either research on children who were adoptees and kind of focusing on their development as they were kind of going through childhood, adolescence. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was kind of looking more at adoptees closer to my age. So people who are either like, you know, late teenagers or early 20s, um, looking at, you know, after you've kind of had maybe time to reflect on it and think about it and I feel like a lot of adoptees for me like when you go to university that's when I kind of thought about it a lot because it was the first Mm -hmm. time I was around a lot of other Asians like for the first time that and you know they weren't adopted they were from Asian families so that was kind Uh. of a a time where I was feeling like oh I look like these people but I don't necessarily fit in with them because I didn't have the same you know childhood I wasn't raised the same way so I think it was interesting to interview people who are either in university or kind of you know, coming out of it because they right. had that experience like me. It was definitely interesting. Some of it was like on Korean adoptees or other places, but not necessarily from China. Okay. Um, it was hard to find specific resources that were about, because I was focusing on Canada. So it was hard to find about I adoptees see. who are from China and who live in Canada, who are in my age bracket. Right. Because it's pretty specific. It's already like a niche topic mm-hmm. in terms of research, just like international adoption. For, but to kind of make it even more narrow my research I was like yeah there's not much out there so I had to kind of you know rely on things that were related to maybe other Asians and then other people who live like in America now instead of Canada 
but then also kind of like online and, right. and doing some reading myself. Like my mom, before she adopted me, she had a number of books that she read. And so she's passed some of them on to me. And even now I'm still slowly kind of reading through some of them. Right. It was interesting in that way. And also just looking online, social media and some of the Facebook groups that I was in. I didn't, I wasn't a part of Subtle Asian Adoptee Traits at the time. Otherwise, I would have tried to gain participants from that group because I think there's a wealth of information mm-hmm. there and people who are for sure willing to share their stories. But I stumbled upon that like a bit later. Oh, yeah. But yeah, so a kind of a mix of like online resource, uh, resources, um, academic articles, you know, that from like papers and stuff. Did you go to a university that was pretty like diverse as well? I know you said there were a lot more Asian people in general. I feel like it was pretty diverse. It was in like a slightly bigger city than like where I actually live because like I commute. I mean, there there was still a lot of white people though, but it was just in comparison to like where I grew up, there was a definitely a stronger like Asian. There's a lot of like clubs mm-hmm. too. There's like Asian interest clubs. Um, so that was cool because there'd be one for different eth- like Asian ethnicities. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool to see. And but then I I didn't end up joining any of them because I didn't feel like I really fit in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I see. I guess uh, geographically in Canada, where are you? You're close to are you close to Toronto or? I'm like an hour away from Toronto. So yeah, I'm in like southern Ontario, and the school I went to is in Hamilton. Okay. I can't pretend I know my Canadian geography. I just know like Toronto is like the big city you can go to <laughs> relatively yeah. easily from the U.S. <laughs> yeah, and Toronto definitely has way more diversity. So I think that, you know, if I had gone to university in Toronto, it would have been, you know, even more like oh, I'm representation sure. from different ethnic minorities. So that's why mine in comparison, depending on, you know, if you compare it to where I went to high school versus if you compare it to a place in Toronto, it'd be like somewhere in the middle, I guess, in terms of diversity. Right. That's pretty fascinating. So it's pretty similar to the U.S. as well, depending where you go to university. I mean, like more urban areas, of course, there's going to be more diversity. That doesn't change. <laughs> so there are similarities. It's just fascinating because I don't think I really talk to a lot of people in you know, like Canada or anywhere else except the U.S., especially with other adoptees. I mean, on that Zoom call, there was like four other people who are in Maryland near where I am currently. And mm-hmm. they all went to College Park, which is like a very big university here so I was like oh the world is actually a lot smaller than I thought (laughs) yeah and then talking to some of the Canadian adoptees that do live a bit closer you know they'll be talking about like a main street downtown Toronto and I've like definitely been to Toronto and I mean most people will not know where that is but I can be like yes I know where that is I know what you're talking about So it is cool to kind of, you know, connect with people that are closer to you. And then it's like maybe hopefully after all this, like I can actually meet some people. Unfortunately, not as many as I would like because we're all over over the place from the step of being in the Facebook group to the Zoom calls to then actually being able to schedule time to like hang out in person. Oh, yeah. yeah. And then as you meet probably so many people from the U.S., you know, if you come over the borders and you'll have like plenty of places to go stay too if you wanted. I guess that goes yeah, the same that'd be way. Really cool. It goes the same way reverse. We can go to Canada and like, oh, I know somebody yes. there. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> it's like ah, because Canada's pretty nice. From it is. It's so beautiful with all the nature and everything. Mm-hmm. You mentioned earlier that you were raised Jewish. Is that correct? Yeah. So my mom's Jewish. In terms of religion, she didn't raise us that religiously. Ah. Um, so I just know a little bit about the religion and the culture through her. Um, and I also joined a Jewish sorority. Um, so that was interesting because I wanted to learn more about it. And I feel like, you know, I have like 
a number of Jewish friends from that sorority. Um, so it's been cool learning more about that. And there was actually in the sorority after I joined a few years later, there was another adoptee from China oh. that ended up joining our sorority too. So that was cool because then her and I kind of understood that in between of you, you know, maybe we were raised with some of it, the culture and the religion, but then you don't look Jewish because you're adopted. Right. So it, it was nice being able to kind of share that with one other person who, who gets that aspect. Okay. So you guys were there at the same time too. Yeah. Like Cause I had been in it for a few years and then she joined cause she's younger than me, but then I stayed in it in the first year, went my master's cause I did it at the same oh, okay. university. I did my undergrad. There was some overlap by like a year or in a bit where we were in it together and like we can kind of bond over that oh that's nice so she probably really appreciated that too like oh i'm not alone here in this environment (laughs) yeah let's take a break so did you have a that's when you turned 13 and it's like the bar and bat mitzvah (laughs) is that the right yes it is yeah so i did not end up having one because again i wasn't really raised that religiously Mm, okay um so it's weird because even though i mean my mom says you are jewish because it gets passed on through the mother but in my head i'm like well i'm adopted and it's usually Mm -hmm. like a a blood thing i don't know i feel like my belongingness within the jewish community has been iffy because my friends will be like oh yeah like you're jewish like you don't have to let other people tell you whether you are or not as long as you feel like you want to identify that way then sure like your mom's jewish and like you have through your mom that history of her family and everything and i know i think more than the average non-jewish person and i've through the sorority and through like a little bit of the community the jewish community on campus like i kind of learned more in terms of like religion and the way i live day to day it doesn't like affect me that much I think if I maybe did go through more of some of the traditions and the practices of Judaism, then I'd feel more confident about saying that I was Jewish. Like if I kept kosher, if I knew how to speak a bit of Hebrew, if I went to Jewish day school, like some of the things that my friends have gone through, that when they talk about it, you know, that's stuff I didn't experience. So I think that makes it a bit more confusing of being able to say like, yeah, I'm Jewish, but I don't do like most of the stuff that you guys do. And I didn't, you know, experience mm. maybe the bat mitzvah and I didn't experience kind of like the Shabbat dinners on Friday um, and certain things. Okay. It's really fascinating. So I feel like that I, adds another layer. It does. Of it a does. bit more confusion. Like, huh. I'm sure that definitely plays into your identity and you're identifying who you are and what you're going to do as well. That's actually the first Mm -hmm. time I've asked about religion because I know that's in itself its own topic because I think when we talk adoptees to one another, Chinese adoptees, we always talk about speaking Chinese or having to Mm -hmm. identify as Chinese or Canadian in your case too. Mm -hmm. I think religion does also play a whole nother layer that I was excited to bring (laughs) it up because I was like, I'm really curious about that. If she's comfortable, but I ask her. Yeah, I don't mind talking about it. And it's interesting because Judaism isn't just a religion. It's like, you know, you could be born Jewish, right? right? It's a culture. It's like a way of life. Religiously, if anything, I lean more towards Christianity, Mm -hmm. which again makes it more confusing because that doesn't necessarily like coincide with Judaism because they're two different Mm. like religions. But yeah, so. I see. That's pretty, that's pretty interesting. I do think like my beliefs and my faith kind of, you know, do guide me. And like, if I think about adoption, I do kind of think of like, I guess, like things that are meant to happen versus things that are not meant to happen. And sometimes I think about, you know, the reason for being 
I, I don't know if I want to use the word abandoned because I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, as adopters, we don't even know if that's true, even though it's right. likely. I feel like there's some instances I've heard of where people weren't willingly giving up their bears, right. but they were taken away from them. Um, but kind of thinking about the reason and how it all works out, because it's really interesting to think about how I made it to where I am now and kind mm-hmm. of like if there was some other thing that kind of had a, a hand in that. Oh, yeah, definitely. Other than the time that you went back when you were four and a half, have you been back to China? Do you want to go back to Hangzhou or? Yeah, Hangzhou is the city that you were adopted from, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would definitely want to go back. My mom said it was very beautiful there. Um, mm-hmm. And she showed me like a bit of pictures from when she was there. And then she even has like a book about the city that she's given me that I've like looked through a little bit. Um, so I definitely want to go back to learn more about like my roots and the culture that mm-hmm. I didn't really have growing up. And I think it would, I would also like combine it with trying to kind of learn more about mm-hmm. you know, filling in some of the gaps because like we don't know a lot of information at all so if I could get any mm-hmm. more answers to the questions I have that would be really cool but I also know that I want to keep low expectations because I feel like it is very difficult to do like a search for either birth family or whatever oh, it is yes. you're trying to find whether it's just information like medical history or documents about more stuff maybe that the orphanage didn't tell my mom when she adopted me so I think I would yeah make it like to explore but I'd also make it, it'd be like a very personal and like emotional experience because oh, I'd definitely. be trying to kind of find out, you know, where I came from and what happened to me before, like my mom got me. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so far, the adoptees I've spoken with have said similar to what you said. It's, it, and I think everybody could relate. It, it's going to be an emotional journey. I personally went back. Mm-hmm. Katie has also been back to China as well. And it's definitely something that you'll want to take your time with in general everything with adoption mm-hmm. take your time too it is really good to hear that you are very happy with your family too mm-hmm. Canada <laughs> yeah and I think like because I yes went back but I don't remember it it's like I do want to go back and there's that kind of question of like when's a good time like mm-hmm. when will I be ready and I don't know if you ever ever ready to kind of fully like just jump into that kind of stuff yeah it's interesting that you have gone back I don't know like I know you're the one asking me questions, but like, would you want to go back? And also like, do you feel like you're ready and the time that you went was like a good time for you? Cause I'm just curious. Yes. I would say I sort of went the approach of just jumping in similar to how I'm doing this podcast too. Mm-hmm. I was interested in going back two years ago. And when okay. I was interested in going back, I sort of spoke with my dad about it because he does go back to China and he already had a trip planned. So when I spoke with him, I said, I would like to go back to the orphanage if it's possible, just go back to the city. Even he essentially organized, organized the whole trip for me, which was great. Oh, and wow. so we went back to the city, Ningbo. we went back to the orphanage and it was all sort of just very fast before mm-hmm. I could really think about it, which seems to be the best approach when I go into projects and interests but that's also how I found the CCI Mm -hmm. group the Chinese Children International yes I'm in that one as well that it all sort of spiraled and I connected with one adoptee really well Katie Mm -hmm. this podcast is even in its own I almost feel it's a jumping head first before I thought I was really ready for it and (laughs) I think it's a it's so far turning out to be very good results definitely going back to the decision to go to China and then doing this podcast, I sort of just went into it without really 
having an expectation and knowing what to expect, which I almost think is a better approach. I do think mm-hmm. it's really a good opportunity if you can. And the timing just worked out that I pretty much uh, jumped on the opportunity as as soon as I could. I think I would have regretted it if I hadn't gone when I had that real strong feeling to go back. I did find out my birthday is my birthday. So that was pretty exciting. (laughs) That's really cool. I feel like, yeah, that information is so like ambiguous for a lot of us. It is. I I hear that a lot. And I thought that's what the case was, I'm sure, for me, myself and many adoptees feel this way. Finding out that my birthday is my birthday was a nice little cherry, I guess, (laughs) in a way. Definitely recommend it if you're ready for anybody who is a Chinese adoptee or any Asian adoptee. Let's just say any adoptee. I refer to Chinese adoptee because that's the title of this podcast. Everybody should take it in their own time. And I know I mentioned in a previous episode, and I think it's good to repeat, is uh, every couple years or so, it's good to like reevaluate how you feel. Because it can change. Mm-hmm. In a year, you might feel you don't want to go back. But then five years from now, you do. It's a pretty emotional journey, I'm sure. I, I know people also had the same feeling about Mother's Day yeah, passing. Yeah, just passed. Mm-hmm. There's definitely a divide, I think, there, too, with people who feel strongly about Mother's Day and their birth mothers, and then others who are, I'm really happy with my mom. I mean, she is my mom, even though we don't look alike. Now I'm getting sidetracked. I don't remember where I was asking you. <laughs> Being a Chinese adoptee in Canada and watching a lot of entertainment and media, how do you feel about representation of adoptees? Like a film like the half of it that just came out on Netflix, do you also have that film too? I did watch it actually with some of the adoptees in the the subtle Asian adoptee Zoom chat because someone's like, hey, I'm going to do a Netflix party. Does anyone want to join? So Ah. I watched it with other adoptees, and that was really cool. And I liked it. It's cool. And I actually, if I wasn't connected to the adoptee community, I would have not known that the person who plays the main character is adopted. So it's really It's adopted, yep. Yeah, so that's really cool. And I thought it was really cute, like, just feel-good, like, high school romance type. (laughs) Right. And it's just like, oh, it's cute. And it's nice to see, like, the representation. I feel like there's definitely been more to all the boys I've loved before. That one was like so cute. Oh, yes. I love. There's two movies out now. I love the both of them, and the with the like um, Crazy Rich Asians. I saw that with my oh, mom yes. and sister in theaters, and that was like really well done. I liked that. So it's cool. I don't. I don't. It's hard because I feel like a lot of the media and stuff that I consume, it's like a lot of it is from America. Like it's. I don't know if there's a distinction oh, okay. between like Canadian and like American. I'm trying to think. I don't personally know. Like, maybe I should make more of an effort to look into, like, Canadian, Asian, and, like, specifically Chinese writers and actors and, you know, artists and stuff. Because I actually am not too familiar. I feel like some of the Canadians we do have, even if they're not, like, you know, adopted Asian, they go to America (laughs) to kind of, you know, make their career there, right? It would be nice to see more, like, focus on Canadians, you know, who are Asian and everything. But one thing that comes to mind is Kim's Convenience is uh, filmed in Toronto. And I haven't actually, like, been to that, you know, intersection, I guess, of where they kind of did all the the stuff. But that's cool because I'm like, oh, I know when they're talking about certain streets or they're talking about, oh, she went to, you know, this university or something. It's like, oh, I actually know, Mm. like, that's something, like, a reference that I, like, understand. That's one thing. I guess that's one example. Yeah, I was wondering, like, is there a lot of difference? Is there a difference between Canadian entertainment and media? That brings up a whole nother topic about China and the 
the restrictions in China on a lot of entertainment too. So I guess. Yeah. That's a that's a good question to save for if I ever talk to a Chinese adoptee in China, maybe. Yeah, like people who maybe have lived there, have gone back, and kind of that that would be really cool because I mean, that would I be really cool. No, too many like, people oh. who've done that. <laughs> I don't either. Is there is there anything you would want to hear from other adoptees or people who adoption has become a big part of their life? Um, it's interesting. Like I feel like just in connecting more with other people through like Facebook groups or I mean through like this podcast and stuff, I've already like learned so much more than I knew before about adoption. Because I mean, all I had before was just my own experience and what I've gone through. And then kind of connecting with other people and realizing, wow, there's actually like a vast, you know, variation in experiences and feelings and mm-hmm. opinions on certain topics or, you know, things that we've gone through. And so that's been cool. I think just continuing to learn more about how, you know, someone might not feel the same way or think about something in the same way as me in terms of if it's adoption related or just being an adoptee and your view on something else. Um, so I just always love like learning other people's stories, which I think it's great. Mm-hmm. You're doing this podcast, <laughs> you know, me an, op- an opportunity to listen to other people's stories and then in turn people to listen to my story and some of the things I have to exactly. say. And yeah, that's why I did like my undergrad research because I was really interested in learning more. But like kind of now with the, like the adoptee community online, it just opens it up beyond Canada and right. beyond people that are like physically close to me um, in Canada, in Ontario. So just kind of mm-hmm. learning more about people's thoughts and feelings on things more. And and also just, I guess, from my geographical background about just thinking of place and space and how people, you know, have felt, you know, in different times of their lives or, you know, maybe if they've moved, you know, how or in different oh, spaces yeah. like university versus, you know, when they were still living at home or, you know, wherever they grew up. Just thinking about how your thoughts and feelings on everything changes over time and space. Because that's exactly. really cool to think about. And like you said, like I'm in Canada and my experiences are different from people in the United States. Um, but then even, you know, where I am compared to a bigger city like Toronto, I feel like that's even enough of a difference True. to kind of create different experiences and thoughts. So mm-hmm. I'm just always, yeah, I guess interested in that aspect too. That's very cool. Would you like to share your Instagram? Because I'm sure people would love to follow you if they listen. <laughs> Oh, yeah, for Instagram? Yeah. Um, yeah, my username is C underscore shell seven. Shells has a Z in it, not an S. It's a private account, but if I see that, like, I don't know how you mm-hmm. can tell if someone's adopted, but if I think you're an adoptee, I will definitely, like, add you back <laughs> like, and everything. So That's fair. I mean, that's how you found the podcast, actually, was through Instagram, too, mm-hmm. which is pretty sweet. <laughs> Perfect. Well... Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. It was pretty interesting getting your perspective. And I was really excited to get somebody outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. too. Yeah, it's been so great. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity, this, you know, this platform to kind of, you know, insert my little two cents on, on some of these topics. <laughs> of course. Good luck with your next step. I know since you just finished your master's too, and as we are in a pandemic, probably will be when this re- releases too, it that you'll be looking for work and everything as well yeah so so I'm kind of trying to figure out what I want to do next and just like my passion for adoption related stuff I feel like and my interest and desire to learn more has just grown so if I can somehow connect my you know academic 
skills and experience to kind of this interest that'd be so cool mm. but I'm still figuring out because I again I don't know too many resources in my area a lot of it I know there's a lot in the states but I'm still kind of exploring what's out there if there's anything I can get involved over here so that would be really cool that's potential next steps but that would be that's definitely more concrete than I can share on my own. <laughs> okay, we're all figuring out, and it's a very confusing time right oh, now. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. It, it is, it is. I mean, I, I put on a proper dress today just to feel like I'm normal. <laughs> Until then. Goodbye for now. I'm sure we'll stay in touch, see each other yeah, on these Zoom sure. calls. I'm going to keep using that platform to get the guy to come on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> at some point thank you for listening to abc we are on major podcast platforms including apple and spotify email adopted babies from china at gmail.com or you can direct message dm adopted babies from china pod on instagram he is also adopted babies from china pod on facebook as well if you would like to share your story thank you